Sadhuam singing um, verse uh, verse five of Sri Arunat Chakshuram Malai, which is the verse that I am going to be talking about today. What Bhagavan says in this uh, fifth verse is, "Ipari tapune eni ne pitai inia viduva arunachala." That is, there are three sentences. "Ipari tapu" means escape, escape this blame. Why did you make me think of you? Now who will leave? Um, the first sentence, he, he says, escape this blame, ipari. Uh, the pari, the blame he's referring to, pari means blame, censure, condemnation, ridicule. That is the blame that he spoke about in the previous verse. In the previous verse, he said, um, he he's, uh, was arukavene andane, ahatridil akilam baritidum arunachala. That means, for whom did you take charge of me? If you now reject or expel or banish or abandon me, the whole world will blame you or ridicule or revile you. Um, so that is the blame that Bhagavan is referring to here. He says, escape this blame. Um, Arunacha would deserve such blame or condemnation or ridicule only if he were to reject, expel, banish or abandon any of his devotees. So he can escape this blame only by never rejecting or abandoning any of them, no matter how unworthy they may be. Therefore, ipari tapu, escape this blame, is a prayer that implies, do not reject or abandon me, but instead take complete the task you have begun of taking charge of me uh, by eradicating this ego and thereby restoring me to my natural state of absolute and inseparable oneness with you. Um, it also implies that for the same reason, he should never abandon, reject or abandon any of his devotees. So in this verse, Bhagavan is praying on behalf of all of us, but Arunachya should never leave his divine task of eradicating ego uh, he, he should never leave his divine task of eradicating ego incomplete by rejecting any of us as unworthy of his grace. Um, so, though this is a love prayer between Bhagavan and Arunachala, indirectly Bhagavan is praying on behalf of all of us in this verse um, that Arunachala should never abandon us. Of course, Arunachala will never abandon us, but we have to... Um, we. As devotees, we have to 
be aware of how dependent we are on his grace. So that is why this prayer. Um, so this, this, this task, this arrow sail, as Bhagavan often referred to it, this a work of grace or is uh, is something that Arunacha begin began from the very beginning of time. Uh, that is, time began when we rose as ego. So from the very moment we rose as ego, Arunacha began, it, it, Arunacha by his very nature began his task of grace, drawing us back to him. Um, uh, because such is his nature. Um, but this is a, this because of the outward going nature of ego. It, it this is a very long process to slowly draw allow the, give. He has to first allow ego to go out, experience, uh, do so many things, experience the fruit of its actions, and um, and only eventually the ego will gain slowly um, cease looking for happiness outside. Will we'll recognize that its its search for happiness outside is futile, and it's at that moment that the the the, the real process of drawing us back to him begins. Um, so, Arachna commenced the final stages of this process, this process of grace, by making us think of him, because it is by making us think of him that he begins to draw our outward running mind inwards. Prior to that, at every moment of waking and dream, we have been ceaselessly seeking happiness and satisfaction in things other than ourselves. So we began to seek them within ourselves only when he made us think of him. Therefore, if he did not intend to complete this task of taking charge of us entirely by eradicating ego, why did he make us think of him? As Bhagavan asks in the second sentence of this verse, why did you make me think of you? Um, I'll just explain this sentence. The, the une is a, um, it's a poetic abbreviation of unne, which is the accusative singular form of the second person pronoun you. Ein is an interrogative pronoun that means why or for what. And uh, nine is a verb um, that means to think, consider, ponder, remember, or meditate. And nine p is a, a, is a causative form of it. So it means to cause to think or to make think. Nine pittai is a second person singular past tense form of that verse, verb, uh, nine p. So it means you cause to think. And in this case, it implies you made me think. Me is not there, but it's implied there. So Bhagavan is asking Arunachal, why did you make me think of you? Um, as always, thinking of Arunachal can be un understood and interpreted at two levels. At the surface level, it means thinking of his name and form, while at a deeper level, it means thinking of or meditating on his real form, his real nature, Swarupa. His name and form is Namarupa. His real uh, form is Swarupa. That's his real nature. And his real nature 
is the real nature of ourself, is Atma Swarupa. That actually is our own Swarupa, our own real nature, appearing outwardly in name and form in order to turn our attention back within. So that the, the, the Swarupa of Arunachala is our own Swarupa, Atma Swarupa, and that Atma Swarupa is our fundamental awareness, which is always shining within us as I am. That is Satchit, our, our, our fundamental awareness of our own existence. That is the true form of Arunachala. So um, either thinking of the name and form of Arunachala or thinking of I am alone. Both are thinking of Arunachala. It's just two ways of understanding what is meant by thinking of Arunachala. Both these interpretations are correct. Because as I explained earlier when I was discussing the meaning of the first verse, um, interpreting thinking of Arunachala to mean thinking of his name and form is appropriate for those who at present are more drawn to Anya Baba. Anya Baba means the devotional attitude or idea, Baba, but God is some is Anya, something other than oneself. And having such an attitude, that is the preliminary stage of the path of self-surrender or bhakti. That is, we first begin with an idea, God is something other than us, something out there. And um, we we long to, to know and to give ourselves to God. So the, the, the Bhakti Marga begins with Anya Baba. Um, but it, that Anya Baba will eventually mature into Ananya Baba. Uh, Ananya um, means uh, what is not other. So Ananya Baba is the devotion to God as something not other than oneself. In other words, devotion to him as oneself alone. So this... The, um, Interpreting thinking of Arunachala to me in being self-attentive, which is thinking of or meditating on the Swarupa of Arunachala, is appropriate for those who are more drawn to this Ananya Baba, the, the understanding or recognition that God is not something other than ourself, um, which is what prompts us to follow the path of self-investigation or jnana. That is, once we understand that God is not other than ourself, on what should we meditate? We should meditate on ourselves alone. Meditating on ourselves, that is self-investigation. And that is the more advanced stage of the path of, of self-surrender and bhakti, as Bhagavan implies in verse 8 of Rupadeshundia. What he says in verse 8 of Rupadeshundia is Aniya Bhavatin Abanahamahum, Ananya Bhavame Undipara, Anatinum Utamum Undipara. That means Rather than Anya Baba, rather than taking God to be something other than ourselves and having love for him as something other than ourselves, Ananya Baba, when we have love for him as ourselves alone, he says, Ananya Baba, Abanahamahom Ananya Baba. That means Ananya Baba in which he is I. That means in which we have understood or recognized that God is what is shiny in our heart as I. So, having devotion to him with that understanding that he's not something other than ourselves. He is that which is shining in our heart as I, and meditating on him accordingly, that is, as nothing other than ourselves, as I alone, that Bhagavan says, anatinum utamum, is uh, uh, best among all. Uh, and he says, an, 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 ananya, ananya baba may 
and they t that a that is an is an emphasis that means it is certainly the best of among all. When he says the best among all, that implies in the context implies the best among all practices of bhakti. It also means uh, the, in the context it also means the the best or most efficacious means to purify the mind, which is the ultimate aim of all spiritual practices: the purification of mind. All practices other than self-investigation uh, are beneficial to the extent to which they purify the mind, but the, the mind will be perfectly pure only when it is eradicated, because the mind is itself an impurity. That is, the mind is the, the, the root and essence of the mind is ego, and ego is the false awareness, I am this body. So that itself is an impurity. What is pure? is only I am. So to purify the mind perfectly, perfect purification of mind, citta suddhi, can be achieved only by uh, uh, eradication of ego. When ego is eradicated, the mind is eradicated because ego is the root and essence of the mind. So that is the ultimate aim. That's why in the next verse of Rupadesha India, after saying this about that Ananya Barbara is best, in the next verse, verse 9, he goes on to say, uh, Baba Balatinal, that's by the strength of that Baba, that implied by the strength of that Ananya Baba. Ananya Baba means meditating on God is not up for ourself, in other words, self-attentiveness. So what he implies in verse 9 is, by the strength of that self-attentiveness, um, Bhavana Tita Sabhava Tu Irutale, being in, in, in the state of being which transcends Bhavana. Here, Bhavana implies um, any meditation that entails mental activity. In other words, attending to anything other than ourselves, that is mental activity because it's a movement of our attention away from ourselves towards something else. So the, the uh, by the strength of this self-attentiveness, we come to the state of being which transcends uh, mental activity. Because attending to ourselves is not a mental activity. It is, it is a subsidence or cessation of mental activity. So he says, by the strength of that self-attentiveness, being in the state of being uh, which, tra or, or, uh, which transcends um, mental activity, that is Parabhakti Tattva. So Bhagavan's path is the path of Parabhakti, a path of the supreme devotion, the ultimate devotion is the path of self-investigation. Um, so both these meanings, taking thinking of Aranatya as thinking of his name and form, or thinking of his Swarupa, which is our own Swarupa, both meanings are appropriate. Um, uh, according to the to the level we are, are at at the moment. But as Bhagavan says, best of all is Ananya Baba. So that is what we are moving towards. Even if we are still at the stage of Anya Baba, we are, that is, that is a, a, a moving us towards the Ananya Baba, which is the true path that Bhagavan has shown us. So, um, but who... How do we think of Aranatya? As Bhagavan emphasizes here, it's Aranatya who makes us think of him. So in the case of some spiritual aspirants, Aranatya may draw their mind inwards to meditate on his Swarupa, 
even before or even without ever making them think of his name and form. Whereas in the case of others, he may first make them think of his name and form. Why? Because making us think of his name and form is a very powerful and effective means by which he draws our mind inwards to face his Swarupa. As Bhagavan has clearly implied in verse 10 of Arunachal Patikam, um, I talked about this verse in um in when I was talking about the, the first verse of Aksharam like this is a a very important verse because Bhagavan shows here how the um how the thought of the efficacy of thinking of Arunachala. So I'll just briefly uh, read the verse, um, the, or read the English, an English translation of the verse. Bhagavan begins by saying, Patanam Purumai, I've seen a wonder. Um, we bali kanta paravatam, the magnetic hill that seizes or forcibly attracts the soul. And then that's the first sentence. Then he goes on to say, um, subduing the mischievous, in other words, the outgoing uh, mental activity of the soul who thinks of it even once. So if we even once think of Aranachala, and how do we think of him? He makes us think of him. So once he makes us think of him, he that he's starting a process. And that process begins by he begins subduing the mischievous activity of the mind. The mischievous activity of the mind is the outgoing uh, inclination of the mind, the outward going flow of the mind. So that he begins to subdue. And he uh, uh, pulls or drags or attracts that soul inwards to be what he describes as tanadu abhimukham. Tanadu abhimukham means facing towards itself. In other words, facing towards our natural. Tanadu can also mean facing towards ourself. Both are uh, mean the same because Arunachar is ourself. Arunachar is what's shining in our heart as I. So he draws us, he attracts us inwards. So first he subdues the outward going um, momentum of the mind and he begins to draw the mind inwards to face itself. And then he says, he says, Oru Tanadu Abhimukham. Oru means one. Uh, it also means what is unique or peerless. So he's referring to Arunachala. The true nature of Arunachala is one. It is ekameva dvaitam, one only without a second. And it is unique and peerless. Um, and because it, why? Because it is that which is shiny in our heart. It's, it's that infinite pure awareness that shines within the heart as I. So having having subduing the outgoing tendency of the mind, drawing it within, he thereby makes it achala, uh, uh, like itself. He say he says, um uh sedu, making it motionless like itself. That Aaron, the, the name Aranachala, Achala uh, means hill, but the but why Achala means hill, the, the root meaning, the etymological meaning of Achala, Chala is movement. Uh, Achala is without movement. So a hill, because hills are motionless, they're called Achala. So Aranacha is the very embodiment of that stillness, which is our real nature. So that motionless form of the hill, that silent form of the hill, is, is an outward representation 
of our real nature, which is ever immutable, unchanging, unmoving, silent, shining always as I am. So he, by, by, by subduing our outward going, the outward going momentum of our mind, by drawing the mind inwards, he makes it motionless like itself. And um, once he makes it motionless, the soul thereby becomes mature, uh, ripe, and he says he accepts that sweet soul as bali. Bali means food that is offered in sacrifice. So the implication is that by drawing us within and making us motionless like, uh, like, like itself, our natural ripens us. And once we are ripened, like, once we are like a fully ripened fruit, then he will accept and swallow us. Now we are all still unripe fruit. So he's not going to, he's very, very partial. He only eats us when we are fully ripe. That means when we are fully willing to give ourselves wholly to him, when we surrender ourselves wholly to him, then only are we fully ripened and ready to be eaten by him. And then he says, um, uh, what that literally means what is this it implies what a wonder is this and then he ends this verse by saying uh we are carl he's addressing us so, oh souls um um adanil if we kali aruna otu we mean that means oh souls be saved thinking of the great arana hill the killer of the soul who shines in the heart. Who shines in the heart means he's shining in the heart as our fundamental awareness of being, I am. And by drawing us inwards, he thereby kills us, he thereby swallows us. So but this is the efficacy of, of, uh, of um, the out, thinking of the name and form of our nature. So we should never... The, even if we are more drawn to be Ananya Baba, to taking Aranacha to be that which is shiny in our heart as I, we should never uh, underestimate the efficacy of thinking of his name and form. And what is true of the name and form of Aranacha is equally true of the name and form of uh, Bhagavan, because uh, Bhagavan, Bhagavan Ramana is Arunachala in human form, and Arunachala is Bhagavan in hill form. They are one and the same Swarupa, and they are our Arun Swarupa. They are that which is shiny in our heart as I. So um, thinking of his name and form is a very, very powerful and effective means by which he draws our mind inwards. So he makes, he, if we think of his name and form, it is because he has made us think of his name and form. And by making us think of his name and form, he thereby draws our mind inwards and makes us think of his true form, his Swarupa. Um, uh, so, um, so both uh, taking, taking it in either sense, both, uh, both senses are appropriate. Um, uh, Therefore, whether Aranachala uh, um, makes us think of him first by making us think of his name and form, or, uh, oh, sorry, wait, um, whether he draws our mind inwards 
either by making us think of his might, name, and form, or by any other means, his ultimate aim is to draw our mind inwards to meditate on his swarupa, because only when we do so will we sink into the innermost depth of our heart and thereby be devoured by him. Um, I actually used the seeming mind, speech, and body of Bhagavan, which he had taken a complete charge of as his own, um, as Bhagavan implied in the previous verse when he said, Arukavene Andane, Andane means he took complete char charge of Bhagavan as his own. So, having taken complete charge of the mind, speech, and body of Bhagavan as his own, he used that mind, speech, and body to sing this Arunachaksharam, right? A love song to himself for the benefit of devotees at various stages of their spiritual development. So the meaning and implication of these verses can appropriately be interpreted at different levels and from different perspectives. And those certain levels and perspectives may appeal to us more than others. We should take care not to exclude any of them and to acknowledge the aptness and value of all of them. Therefore, if I seem to be explaining these verses more from the perspective of uh, Ananya Baba, this is not intended to exclude or underrate the value of viewing them pro uh, uh, from the uh, Anya Baba perspective, which I, which, well, which obviously in Bhagavan's line, that has to be fully acknowledged and appreciated. Um, I'm not the only one who who is interpreting these verses more from the Ananya Baba perspective. If you read Murugana's uh, commentary on on Akram Light, it is very clear he is taking he is putting more emphasis on the Ananya Baba perspective. Likewise, Sadhuam. So, um, but that doesn't mean that we they, they they often both of them often acknowledge the the. Um, the, the, how these verses can also be interpreted from a more Anya Baba perspective. Both are appropriate. It all depends upon our um, on, on, on the level of our spiritual development. But, but we shouldn't think that an Anya Baba is somehow lower. Bhagavan has said, sorry, we shouldn't think the Anya Baba is lower. Bhagavan has said, the Ananya Baba is best among all. But that doesn't underrate the Anya Baba. The Anya Baba is also necessary. We've all, if we come to an Anya Baba now, it is because we've gone through Anya Baba in previous lives. This is how we come to this path. Um, this is how we are drawn to this path. Um, this, so, uh, this the second sentence of this fifth verse, as I say, it's pitai. Why did you make me think of you? This is significant for some several reasons. Firstly, by saying this, Bhagavan implies that if we think of Arunachala, that is because he has made us think of him. We shouldn't think, oh, I have thought about him. He has made us think of him. If he didn't make us think of him, we would never think of him. Why? Because the natural inclination of the mind is to flow outwards, seeking happiness and satisfaction in things other than itself. So it will become inclined to turn back within to seek happiness and satisfaction in its own real nature, 
Atmasarupa only when it is drawn to do so by a power greater than itself, namely the power of grace, which is the infinite love that Aranatya has for us as himself. It is his love for us that sows in our heart the seed of love for him. So whatever little love we have for, for him is a very uh, poor reflection of the infinite love that he has for us. So whatever and whatever little love we have for him is given only by him because he is the source of all love. He is love itself. So we, we cannot love him without him sowing that seed of love in our heart because all love, all true love comes only from him. In fact, everything comes only from him because he is the original source and substance of everything uh, because he is our real nature. Um, therefore, our thinking of him is the effect of his grace working within us. Without his grace, we would not have even the slightest inclination to think of him because we would be too preoccupied with our search for happiness and satisfaction in things other than ourselves. We seek happiness in things in other things because we wrongly believe that we cannot obtain happiness or satisfaction without such things. And we believe this uh, because of our lack of viveka, our lack of clear judgment, discernment, or discrimination. As Bhagavan says, as Bhagavan explains in the 14th paragraph of um of Nana, in which he says, we think that we attain happiness from external things because of our Aviveka. Aviveka means the opposite of Viveka. Viveka means clear judgment or discernment or discrimination, our lack of Viveka. So the inner clarity by which we recognize that happiness doesn't lie in external things, it lies only within ourselves. That is the true Viveka. Now, we he has given us a certain degree of Viveka. So we, we, we have begun to understand that the unsatisfactory nature of all external things. But we are still not fully convinced that happiness doesn't lie outside. Because if we, if we were truly convinced that there was no happiness in external things, our mind wouldn't be going outwards towards external things. The very fact that our mind is still going outwards, that we are still concerned about anything other than ourselves, shows that we still don't yet have sufficient Viveka. Um, and the more we seek happiness in other things, the more our mind, the, the, the more we, our mind goes outwards under the sway of its vishaya vasanas. The more we allow ourselves to be swayed by any particular vishaya vasanas, the more those vasanas are strengthened. The less we allow ourselves to be swayed by them, the, the more they are weakened. So, the, whatever strength our vasanas seem to have. Is, is strength that we have given them by allowing ourselves to be swayed by them. And the more we allow ourselves to be swayed by Vishaya Vasanas, the stronger and denser they become. So the mind is clouded by that dense fog of its Vishaya Vasanas. And the Vishaya Vasanas are what rise in us as likes, dislikes, desires, attachments, hopes, fears, and so on. So, so long as our mind is clouded, by likes, dislikes, desires, attachments, hopes, fears, and so on, uh, it it will lack the clarity 
to see that happiness doesn't lie in external things, it, it lies in it only within. And the more it is clouded, the more we consequently seek happiness in other things. So our lack of uh, Viveka is self-perpetuating, and therefore it cannot be rectified by anything other than by grace. So without grace, we wouldn't even know we wouldn't have even the least inclination to begin seeking happiness within ourselves. In other words, we wouldn't, be, we wouldn't have come to this path if it wasn't for grace. Because the nature of ego is to be always going outwards. It has to be a power greater than ego to draw it within. That power is grace. And grace manifests itself in our heart as the love to turn within. <clears throat> Grace is what shines within us as the clarity that is required to disperse and dispel the dense fog of Vishaya Vasanas and consequently to, to reveal the clear Vibhika that always exists in our heart but remains hidden so long as it is covered by this dense fog. Grace has to draw our mind within. That is, that's how grace works. Grace works by drawing our mind within and this clarity called grace can come only from Arunachala because Arunachala is the infinite light of pure awareness that is eternally shiny in our heart as I am. So we need to bathe in this clarity by turning our attention within and, uh, and immersing it in this light of awareness. So by turning our attention within, we are, so to speak, bathing and cleansing ourselves in this in the light of pure awareness, which is the light of grace. Um, so the, the, the more we turn within, the more we are, we, we are bathed in that light, the more we are bathed in that light, the more we have inclination to turn within. So the mind gains the love to turn within only by trying to turn within. This is why Bhagavan emphasized the practice of self-investigation so, so repeatedly and consistently without trying to turn our attention within, we cannot gain the clarity, but will give us the love to turn within more. So the practice is absolutely essential, according to Bhagavan. Um, and this entire process of our spiritual development, it is driven primarily by grace. So long as our mind is racing outwards in search of happiness and satisfaction, we'll have no inclination to turn back within. So it is grace alone that can give us love to turn within. And it gives us this love by gradually dispersing the dense fog of our Vishaya Vasanas and thereby allowing the clarity of Viveka to shine forth from within ourselves. So, uh, as I say, the, the one reason why this sentence, why did you make me think of you? One reason it is so significant is because we need to understand if we have thought of him, if we are attending to ourselves, it is because he has made us do so. Um, and he makes us do so by giving us the love. So we try to do so more and more. So his grace isn't something but Grace doesn't work from outside, it works from within our heart. So grace works by drawing our mind within. So how can we cooperate with grace? By yielding ourselves to it, by surrendering ourselves to it, by, by willingly allowing grace to draw our attention within to face ourselves. 
a second reason why this sentence, why did you make me think of you? A second reason why this is significant is implicit in the first reason. If our thinking of him had been a whim or fancy of our own mind, we might forget him about him as soon as some other whim takes hold of us. That if the mind is constantly fickle, one thought comes, we take, we take interest in that, then sometimes we lose interest in that, we latch on to some other thought. The mind is constantly taking interest in so many things. That is the nature of the mind. So if we had thought of Arunachala, by our, if the thought of Arunachala had come by our own whim or fancy, we'd be interested in it for a while and quickly we'd lose interest and take interest in something else. Such is the nature of the mind. Um, so if, 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 if it had... If, it was not he who had made us think of him. After some time, we we would forget about him. As soon as some other thought uh, comes, we would forget and uh, go off after some other thought. Um, so any thought that originated from our mind would be fickle and unreliable. However, since it is he who made us think of him, our thought of him originates from him and not from us. So it has a power far greater than any thought that originates from us. And like, unlike uh, other thoughts which originate from us, uh, it will be unfailing in its effect. That is, since he made us think of him once, he will make us think of him again and again and again, and more and more deeply. So this thought of him will steadily increase in strength, depth, and intensity, thereby becoming firmly established and deeply rooted in our mind. In other words, having once drawn our mind back within to meditate on, on him in our heart, he will continue drawing it back to him no matter how many times it wanders away outside, and he will not stop doing so till he has drawn it uh, so deep within but it can never rise and come out again. In other words, he will, until it is destroyed, he will not stop drawing it back within again and again and again. To the extent to which he draws our attention back within, we thereby taste the deep peace and joy of meditating on him in our heart as I. And the more we taste this peace and joy, the more willingly we will submit ourselves to his inward pulling attraction thereby allowing him to draw us deeper and deeper within. In other words, the more he draws our mind within to meditate on him, the more he thereby nurtures in our heart the love to think of nothing other than him. So fixing our mind on him in our heart will be found to be happening more and more naturally, effortlessly, and uninterruptedly. Um, a third reason why this sentence, why did you make me think of you, is significant, is that in this context, it implies that by making us think of him, Arunacha has implicitly undertaken an obligation and, making, uh, and made a binding commitment to us, namely that he will never reject or abandon us, but will unfailingly take complete charge of us, that is, complete uh, control of us, complete care of us, which he can do perfectly only by eradicating ego and thereby revealing that he and we are always mutru abhinam, as he says in verse 2, completely non-different or individual, inseparable. Um, 
why is this why is this implication here? Because Bhagavan asked this question, he starts by saying, escape this blame. In other words, that escape this blame means do not abandon me. So when he he immediately follows that by saying, asking, why did you make me think of you? It implies that he made us think of him with an intention to save us. Therefore, he will not abandon us. That is the implication. Um, so Arunacha, by making us think of him, Arunacha has made a commitment to us. And we must hold him to his commitment. Um, we, of course, he will not, he will never fail in his commitment. But by holding him to his commitment, we are making ourselves more and more willing to cooperate with the grace that he is working in our heart. So by asking this rhetorical question, immediately after saying that Arunacha should escape the blame of, re of, of rejecting or abandoning <coughs> Um, the devotee, after taking charge of him, he implies that the reason he made him think of him was in order to thereby take complete charge of him. <clears throat> All these implications of this second sentence are further confirmed in the next sentence, the third and last sentence of this verse, iniya viduva, which means who, who now who will leave? Um, but it can also be interpreted as now who can leave. Ini is an adverb that means now or hereafter or henceforth. Ya means who. It's an interrogative pronoun. And viduva is a third person plural or honorific uh, singular form of the verb uh, vidu, which means to leave or to let go. So ya viduva means who will let go Oh, sorry, who will leave or who will let go, implying which of us will or can leave or let go of the other. In other words, when Bhagavan asks, now who can leave, he implies, you cannot leave me, I cannot leave you. You cannot let go of me, I cannot let go of you. Um, since Aracha is what we always actually are, in other words, our real nature, Masarupa, uh, namely our fundamental awareness, I am, he can never leave us and we can never leave him. We cannot leave ourselves. So since he is ourself, our, what we actually are, we cannot leave him, he cannot leave us. Moreover, by making us think of him, he has committed himself to taking complete charge of us without ever rejecting or abandoning us. So now he has undertaken this task, he can never henceforth let go of us. Because of the persistently outgoing nature of our mind, we may seem to let go of him repeatedly. But no matter how often we may allow ourselves to attend to other things under the sway of our Vishaya Vasanas, he will repeatedly draw our attention back within to face himself. So we cannot let go of him without being unfailingly drawn back to him sooner or later. And eventually, he will draw us so deep within that we will lose ourselves entirely and forever in him, after which we will never be able to rise and again to let go of him or leave him, even for a moment. As he implies in verse 71 of Akshramlai, what he says in, in 71 is, this is a very, well, like all these verses are so beautiful. Paytanam vidha vidha pay ipiditu. Ene pay 
Payan Akine in Arunachala. That means Arunachala, what a wonder. Um, it literally means grasping as an unleaving demon so that the demon nature leaves. You made me a demoniac. What that implies is, Arunachala, what a wonder. Grasping or seizing or possessing me as, as, as an unleaving demon. Uh, that is a demon, ghost, or fiend, or evil spirit that will never let go of me. Um, so, that my, so that my hitherto unleaving demon nature, namely ego, leaves me, you made me a demoniac, someone who is possessed by the demon-like madness of love for you. So Arunachi is the, is the if, if you've got demons, how to get rid of a small demon you, you need only a big demon can get rid of a small demon. So this ego is a small demon, but great demon of uh, of grace of Arunachala, he has taken possession of us as a uh, as a demon, and he will not let go of us. Um, so, uh, so this is Bhagavan described from these verses, from the way he he's. He's describing Arunachala as an unleaving demon. We can, we can understand the love he has for Arunachala. Only when there's great love can you, can you um, when there's great love and great familiarity, can you um, uh, call your beloved an unleaving demon. If it, was, if, it was not, if it was not a very close and intimate relationship, if you... If you're just beginning a relationship with someone and you call them a demon, you're an unleaving demon if you say they're going to take offense. But because Bhagavan is so close to Arunachala, he's able to use such language. He's able to call Arunachala an unleaving demon. And Arunachala, of course, understands what Bhagavan means by that. Of course, Arunachala is not a demon, but like a demon, he has possessed us and he will not leave us. And by his possessing us, he will drive away this small demon called ego. So, uh, so having possessed us as an unleaving demon, so that the, our demon nature, in other words, ego leaves us, he has made us demoniac, one who is, who, who is possessed by the demon-like madness of love for him. So it's, it's so beautifully expressed. So... So, so long as we uh, rise and stand as ego, our mind wanders about the world like a hungry demon, trying to seize iotas of happiness and satisfaction out of, trying to squeeze iotas of happiness and satisfaction out of numerous experiences. But as soon as Arunacha makes us think of him, we are possessed by a far more powerful demon in the form of his grace, which will never release us from its hold, but will instead gradually intoxicate us with ever-increasing love for him, thereby binding us to itself more and more firmly until it eventually devours us entirely. Therefore, now that he has made us think of him, we can never henceforth leave him, and he will never leave or forsake us. Om namo bhagavate sri arna chalaramanaya 